us. We were headed for the kingdom of hell, but now we're headed for the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done for us. Lord, we are here to worship you today. We're here to honor your holy name. We're here to love on you because you first loved us. Today, Lord, let us hear what your Holy Spirit has to say. Open our eyes, whether we be online or in this church. Open our ears that we may hear and our hearts that we might be softened. To those who hearts are harder, Lord, let them be softened today by the words that are spoken from your scriptures. And to you be the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. For those, uh, we have a new audience just came in. You're listening to Freedom Church of Palm Beach. And uh, we're here at, in the South Florida, 2810 High Paluxo Road. If you're local, you know that road. You know, just get on 95, head to High Paluxo. Um, go west a quarter mile on the north side of the road, and that's where we're at. We're here every Saturday, Sunday at 10 a.m. And, uh, and you can... Air, see us on air or you can come in and visit us for those men we have bible study here on saturday morning 9 a.m and you're welcome to come by and uh, be with us we have a group of men that just love the lord they love each other and we love the word of god and we study it and and uh and it's a good time for for us men um for those online since you're there freedomchurchpb.org you can go to to uh, find our address, you can see our list of ministries, you can watch past services, you can even donate online if you choose to. So um, uh, we're glad you're, you're online. Stay tuned. We've got a special speaker today. Um, it's uh, Brett. Brett's here. He, he's going to continue where he left off last week. So um, it was a good message last week, and he's going to finish it up this week. So we're glad you're here. Come on up, Brett. Um, while we're waiting for, for those that are new here today, this little booklet's in the chair in front of you. It looks like it's something for Fourth of July, but it's really the Gospel of John, you know. So Fourth uh, of July is coming up. We got to get a new batch, you know. So anyway, uh, take take it home with you. It's there, so it would be missing when you leave, so that I know that you've given it to someone. And in the back, there's even a bigger one on the table in the back. You know, this one you can't fit in your pocket, but you're welcome to take this and pass it out to your loved ones and friends. So, Brett, let's pray. Father God, we just love this young man, Lord. He's the church of tomorrow. He represents the church of tomorrow along with many people here. And, Lord, we're just glad that you raised him up. You know, when I was a younger believer, I used to wonder, where's the people at that are getting saved? I don't see them. And here they are today, 40-some years later, we see a new generation of believers being raised up. And, Lord, they're going to take it to the next level should you tarry. But, Lord, we're hoping that you don't tarry. We're hoping you, you come by while we're right here, right here today as the service goes on. And if we happen to be here, our loved ones at home, we're going to snatch them up with us, of course, and they're going to they're go with us, Lord. We're going to see each other in the air, and we're going to see the Lord. And we're going to be happy and blessed, and we're going to praise you forever for your great sacrifice, Lord, 
that you have done for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. So bless the words of your scripture, Lord, as it comes out. We know it doesn't return void without accomplishing what you set it forth to do. So use our brother Brett here today in a mighty way and open people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 into this word. We're going to preach this gospel. We're going to hear the word of the Lord. Yeah, cool. And um, we're going to uh, hear from heaven. Amen. I don't know what you guys expect when you, you know, get up on Sunday mornings and you come to a church wherever you go regularly, whether it's here or uh, any other place. I know some of you guys are visiting. I got to welcome, I got to say something in Portuguese here. I know we got some guests, but I got a, a friend from Brazil, a new friend here, and uh, we just want to welcome you. Bem-vindo ao Freedom Church, em nome de Jesus, irmão, prazer. And this is, uh, what's your name again? I'm sorry. Leo. Leo, Leo, he's actually a Brazilian brother. Everybody, let's welcome Leo to the family. But uh, I believe he just moved here recently, or this area. And he just started working with Brother Dave. Dave Vega is a great friend of mine. He's one of my best friends. And, uh, yeah, he just started working with Dave. So we, I actually just met him this morning, but we talked earlier this week. So we're glad to see you, man. Welcome. We welcome anyone and everyone to this place. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're welcome to come into the presence of God and hear the word of God and be changed and transformed. Amen. Jesus uh, often met with all different kinds of people, as we see in Scripture. and uh, But he was often known as the friend of sinners, right? The friend of sinners who would hang out with tax collectors, the people that were just despised. He would hang out with prostitutes. He would hang out with the worst of the worst, the least of the least, the Samaritans, the poor, and, you know, the sick. He was always healing the sick and around the sick. And often people you know, look at that and, and kind of like, man, they, they didn't understand it, the religious people of his day. But remember this, you know, whenever they came around Jesus, it was they that were changed, not Christ. Amen. It was they that were changed, not Christ. You see, Christ hung around and he loved them and he would befriended them. But they always went away very, very convicted or very, very changed. Amen. That was the point of the uh, encounters. So anyway, uh, yeah, go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to get into this in a minute here. I got my big old study Bible. I'm going to have to make some space here. Just give me one sec. But um, if you guys would like, we used to do this in Brazil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do this and give myself a second. We used to do this in Brazil. You know, we, we, were, uh, we planted a church 
in a very small kind of poor community in Brazil. Brother Dave, Matt, a lot, Pastor Joe has actually been there. And we, we went down as missionaries to Recife, Brazil, me and my wife, right after we got married. We planted this little church. It started with 50 kids and a handful of adults on a Sunday morning. And that was our, that was our service. You know, that was our church. And we loved these little kids, and we spent time with their families, and we went and preached to their fathers and mothers, and we saw a lot of their families get saved and transformed. But um, it was so incredible, you know, being in that place and seeing the hand of God working. And, you know, they, there was such a darkness in that community, such a heaviness, such a, um, you know, a stronghold in that area, molestation and prostitution and drugs and alcohol. I mean, one whole street. I mean, every week we would go to Casas Novas. They call them new houses in Portuguese, but they weren't new. <laughs> it was like a favela, like a ghetto. And, you know, you'd go down and they, they turned like their homes into bars. That's how much drunkenness there was. It's like every other house was like a bar, barzinho, you know, and just selling their bodies and selling booze and drugs. It was crazy. But we got to see the power of God there. We got to see the glory of God. And they would come to church, you know, and some of them were just so messed up. I mean, I'm talking really messed up, demonized and, you know, drunk. And, and uh, you know, they would sometimes throw up all over the floor in the middle of service. I mean, <laughs> wild stuff. All right, guys. And um, but I would have them stand up, you know, so they'd come in sad and depressed. And I would have them stand up and just hug each other. And they were like, what are you talking about, man? And I'm like, no, no, just do it. And we did it every single week. So I'm going to ask you guys to do that real quick. Just get up. COVID's over. Don't worry about it. We've got President Joe Biden said the pandemic's gone. Don't worry. You know, just stand up. Give someone a hug that you, you know, don't know. Maybe you know them. Give them some love in, in Jesus' name. You'll see it. it's very fruitful. Check. Awesome. So yeah, it's good to, I mean, even in the Bible, it talks about how they greeted one another with a holy kiss. I mean, we don't do that no more. Thank you, Lord. But uh, it's not our cultural thing. But um, we hug. We greet one Can I do an announcement for two, three minutes here? And then we'll get into the announcement. So, yeah, um, we were missionaries to Brazil for about seven years. We planted churches. We did evangelism. God called us. We began to pray and seek next. It's the next chapter. Pastor, 
that Paul trained. Timothy was Paul's, you know, kind of young disciple. He trained him up in the Lord. He, he became a, a church pastor. But um, I don't know if you know this, but it doesn't matter who you are. You know, you could be a pastor. You could just be saved, you know, not long ago. God calls us all to do the work of an evangelist, like in the office of an evangelist. God wants us all to be a He wants us all to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with other people. And so God began to show me, you know, I want you to do the work of an evangelist. Paul told that to Timothy, and he was just a local work of an evangelist, preach the gospel in and out of season, be faithful. So I began to um, train a little more. I went to CFIN, did some training, and I got connected uh, with some really awesome people of God, and they go out and they preach the gospel all over the world. And uh, right now, recently, in the last couple months, I was talking to a good friend of mine named David, and he's an evangelist who does big, large gospel campaigns in Asia very unreached countries, Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh, India. And he actually invited me to do a crusade with him in May, which is basically less than a month away in the early part of May in India. And uh, I just wanted to basically share that with you guys. I'm not sure if I'll see you again. It's only less than three weeks from today. So I will be preparing to go to India. It's a very unreached part of the world. Obviously, if you guys know anything about the missions maps and the geographics of the unreached people, India has over one billion people. I mean, that's like more than a tenth of the whole planet in one country. They country, and they're predominantly Hindu, okay? Like 90-something percent are not saved. They don't know the Lord. They're totally, it's like a totally unreached country pretty much on all missions maps. Going to this city. Um, we're flying into a major city, but then we're going to a very remote village, a very unreached area, and we're doing a gospel. I don't have all the finances or funding yet, but I'm trusting in God. Amen. I was singing that song, Jehovah, the Lord is our provider. To uh, just ask for your guys' prayers, you know, just remember us in your prayers. We're going to be going out, preaching people, very dangerous area. Uh, the, the Hindus there are some of them are worse than the radical Muslims. OK. Very there. If you guys are watching in India, like you follow any of the persecuted church stuff there, there's a lot of Hindus beating and killing Christians right now in India. So just be in prayer. We're not afraid. We are with the Lord. The Lord has called us and he sent us to go. But, you know, obviously I have a family and kids. I want to come home safe. But we want to see people get saved. Amen. We want to see people get set free by the power of the gospel. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see the lame walk. And we're hoping to reach around 40 to 50,000 people, by the way. That's kind of the goal. So it's a large crusade. It's a big campaign. Even if I don't go, whatever money I raise, whatever money I raise, I promised my friend David Erson that I would donate all the money to this crusade. So whether I raise all the money I need or not, I'm a part of this crusade. You guys are a part of that if you want to be. And just pray for us, please. That's all I'm really asking today, okay? Um, I know we're a few in here, but I just want to encourage you guys this morning. We're strong. This little church right here, Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches, this thing packs a power punch, amen? You guys remember Mike Tyson? You remember Mike Tyson? He was a little shorty. I mean, he got buffed on steroids probably, but he was a little short guy. But that guy packed a punch, man. 
You know, he was the shortest heavyweight, like one of the shortest heavyweight champions. But that guy hit hard. I'm telling you, that's Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. This little church has seen churches be planted in Brazil. You guys have helped support big crusades we've done in Egypt. We've seen 100,000 people in Cairo, Egypt last year hear the gospel, many of them for the first time. I mean, it was, it's one of the most unreached Muslim countries in the world. And so you guys have done so much with us, and we just want to thank you. We want to honor you guys and remind you, like, there's much bigger things than just, you know, we meet on Sunday morning. There's few of us here. But God's using you guys mightily. I want to encourage you that. Don't look at numbers. Don't look at the outward. Gideon was the small little guy, the little clan, remember, in Israel? And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, you, I've chosen you. He said, who am I? But God chooses the weak things of the world many times, the foolish things, the small, so that he can show that he's so big. Amen. So that's, I just wanted to share that. I know I took a few minutes. Uh, we're going to get into the message now. I want to go ahead and jump in. So last week was Easter Sunday. I know you guys know that. We had a, a great service here, actually. A lot of people were watching online. There was a lot of visitors here, and we had um, Easter Sunday service. And I, I was honored to preach last Sunday. I was honored to give it, you know, be given the mic, the pulpit, to preach on Easter Sunday. And I really prayed into it a lot. I was like, Lord, I want to hear what the Spirit is saying. I want to understand, you know, what's your message to the church for Easter Sunday 2023? You know, what are you saying to the church? And the Lord really brought me to what happened after the resurrection. A lot of people, you know, in our in our Christian faith, you know, we have these statements of faith, the Apostles' Creed and the doctrines of our faith, the foundations of our faith, we call it. Pretty much every Christian, uh, you know, every main denomination, we all believe in the same foundations. You know, there might be minor doctrines we disagree on and there might be other issues we don't all, you know, see eye to eye on. But the foundational things, you know, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we pretty much all agree on, amen? We pretty much all believe that it's biblical truth, that it actually happened, that that is the core of the gospel. But I found it so interesting because the Lord told me, go, I want you to go to what happened after the resurrection, right? So I'm going to kind of recap that just real quickly for you guys because it's so important. A lot of times in our gospel, we forget to even eat this this part of the gospel is not even in our message this part of theology is not even in our thinking this reality that we see in scripture that we see Jesus uh, uh, in is like the reality we don't even acknowledge and live in so we talked about the gospel okay I preached the gospel last week and it started I'm just going to give a quick recap if you're interested to dig a little deeper into last week's message it's always online but we started with the beginning right in the beginning was the word john 1 1 and the word was with god and the word was god jesus christ is the word of god before he was born as a man he was the word of god and the gospel begins with god amen we talked about that you guys remember we talked about how the gospel is the message of god it's the good news of jesus christ it's not about you it's not about us Yes, it applies to us, and it's the message that saves us, but it's about him. 
And then it goes into the birth. We talked about the birth of Jesus Christ. So John 1.1 said, in the beginning was the word. John 1.14 said, and the word became flesh. So Jesus, the son of God, before he became a man, he was the word of God. But then at some point in history, God came down in human form and he was born of a virgin Mary. He was born of the virgin. Through the Holy Spirit, the word became flesh, right? And then we dug into this more. I'm just summarizing. But why did he become a man? Why did God become a man? It's because mankind fell. Mankind was created in God's image. Adam and Eve, male and female, he made them in his image to bear his image, to worship him, to exalt him, to fellowship with him. They walked in the garden. They talked in the garden, but also to shine his image to the rest of creation right? But then what happened? Man sinned. Adam and Eve fell into sin, and since then we've all become sinners. And this, this crazy uh, uh, separation happened between God and his most prized possession, his most beautiful creation. Sin separated us from God, and it was the greatest travesty in history. It was the worst you know, moment in all the universe, it was when sin entered the world and man was separated from God. So God had a solution. See, man sinned, so who deserved punishment? You see, because there's a punishment, God says, the day you eat this fruit, the day you eat it and disobey me and sin, what's going to happen? You're going to die. Okay, so sin has a consequence. That consequence is death. So because God is God, he can't change himself. He's holy. He can't go back on his word because he's not like us. Amen. He keeps his word. He keeps his promise. He stays faithful to himself above all else. He can't remove that which he's spoken. And so sin brought death. And that death was separation from God. That's actually spiritual death. But God had a plan. The son of God came, became a man, and he took on human likeness so that he could pay the price as a man for man's evil. You see, if a man did wrong, who has to suffer for wrong? A man, right? You can't sacrifice an animal if it was a man who offended God. You can't send an angel to do the job because it was a man that broke God's commands and offended God. So another man, a perfect man, had to come and take that man's place, take that man's death. And therefore, Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. We, w we went through all this last week, but I'm just going through it again. He was born. He lived a sinless life so that he could take our place. And then he died a sinner's death on the cross. He died a sinner's death so that he who knew no sin could become sin for us, that we may become made right with God, the righteousness of God. Amen. But that's not the end of the story. What happened next? Easter Sunday. We talked about last week. After he died, he what? He rose again. Amen. Hallelujah. We can celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. You know that, right? It's not just on Easter. Amen. But here's the key. We, we went through all that, and then we got to this point where what happened next? And it was, it was interesting. Like, a lot of faces looked kind of dumbfounded. Well, what do you mean? That's the gospel. He came. He died. He was born. He, died, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, and he rose again. But the gospel didn't end there. You see, after he died, what happened next, guys? Some of you guys should know because you were here last week. 
Remember? He rose from the dead. He was on the earth 40 days, and then he what? Ascended back to heaven. And the Bible calls this the exaltation of Jesus Christ. When he returned from where he came and he ascended into heaven, Luke 24, 51 says he was carried up into heaven, into the clouds, and they were all watching him on the Mount of Olives, standing there dumbfounded. And then he was seated at the right hand of God, right? That's where we kind of ended we brought the gospel all the way to that place and i found it so interesting i was studying the gospel again and almost everywhere they preached the gospel acts uh, 2 when peter preached to the multitude paul in his letters whenever they talked about the resurrection they added and he was seated at the right hand of god you see that key there was something so important about him being exalted to the right hand of god and that being in their gospel message you see because many believers today we miss this. We, we don't even talk about this, right? And we forget the fact that Christ has now been seated at the right hand of the Father. He's been given all power and all authority in both heaven and on earth. And you see, this is the key that unlocks the heavens in our lives. This is the key that's mi- this, this is the, the piece that's missing in our puzzle, guys, that opens our lives to the full potential of Christian living. It's actually the ascension and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. So last week, the message was called the resurrected Christ. And then we talked about the resurrected life, right? So if you really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means and what he did, it should lead you to live a resurrected life. So this is what we're doing today, the resurrected life part two. So we dug deep into that last week. We looked at how the cross, as glorious as it is, as wonderful and beautiful, and how I love the old rugged cross, Christ is no longer there, right? He's not hanging on a cross like the Catholics always tend to portray him kind of still dead on a cross. He's not dead anymore, guys. He's risen. I've been to Catholic cathedrals. I've been to Italy. I did a mission trip there with a big group of Brazilians. Forty days we were in Italy, all over Italy, preaching the gospel. And all these cathedrals, you'll go... And you see Jesus like on the cross looking dead. You see like a body of Jesus laying in a tomb like dead. I'm like, what is this idolatry? What is this? Like he's not dead, man. They would have like dead bodies all in their churches. Like no wonder why your church is dead. You still think he's dead. You know, you can't you can't walk and live the way God intended you to live. If you think the man is the man, God, man, Christ is still dead. Amen. The angels rebuked the people at the tomb when they were there weeping and they were there looking for him. And they came. What did they say to the the women and the disciples at the uh, tomb? They said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And then they said the famous words, he is not here. He is risen. Amen. You see, it is very crucial. It is crucially important to know Not just who Christ is, but where he is, where he's been positioned. You see, because many of us are looking for him in the wrong place. We're we're looking for him in a church building. You think the Catholics only ones doing it, guys? I'm not bashing them. (laughs) We do it every Sunday. We think we're going to just go to a 
you know, we have our holy sites, right? Like I was telling you how I went to the empty tomb. I didn't see an angel. I went all the way to Israel to the empty tomb to have some encounter and nothing happened. It was just a dead, empty tomb. There was just a rock and a wall, a hole in a rock and a wall. There was no angel. There was no risen Lord. He's not there anymore, guys. There's just a sign, right? If you've ever been there, it just says, he's not here. Thanks for coming all the way and giving us your money. <laughs> he's not here. He's risen. You see, we can be looking for him in the wrong place, and in our journey to seek and find God, we don't find him. You see, if you want to go to the Father, there's only one way, right? There's, there's a place where the Father is, and there's a throne where the Father sits, and there's only one way to get into that presence of a holy God. You know what it is? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way to come unto the Father except through me, John 14, 6. You see, if you want to go to Christ, it's also very important to know where he is and know how to go there. You see, he's not at the empty tomb. He's not hanging on the cross anymore. He's on the throne in heaven. And that is the place the Bible commands us to go to. It gives us permission now through the blood of Christ. We have permission to go to the throne of God. And actually make our appeals and give our prayers. It says, come to the throne of grace. You see, this is the place where Christ is. And it's important that that's where we look for him. Remember when um, Stephen, this just came to me, it's not even in my notes. Stephen was being martyred. The first Christian that was being killed. Uh, Saul, who became Paul, was actually there given the authority to kill this man, and the, the religious leaders were stoning him for preaching the gospel. He was a spirit-filled young man. He was an evangelist. He was a servant of the Lord, and they killed him. They stoned him to death for whatever blasphemy they thought he was preaching. And he stood there as they were killing him, and he saw the what? The heavens opened. Where did he see Jesus? He saw the heavens opened, and he saw Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, and then he stood up. He literally stood up to like honor Stephen's martyrdom off the throne. And he, I, I, I could almost see it like Jesus just reaching down his hand, come up here with me. You see where he is, it's very important to know. He said, I see him, see, he, he's standing at the right hand of the Father and they're stoning him to death. And he's like seeing the glory. Isn't it amazing, guys? That's where Christ is. So what, where does that bring us to now? So the fact that he's resurrected and he's ascended and he's been exalted, it, it, it should bring believers into a resurrected life. You see Christians here today, if you're watching online, you know, listeners online, if you have claimed to believe in the name of Jesus, you, you claim that you're his follower, you've made a confession of sin, you've repented of your sin or you've been baptized and you are part of a church and you claim that you're a follower of Jesus Christ understand what that really means okay number one it means that you have died with Christ okay to be a follower of Jesus Christ a true believer it means that you have been crucified Galatians 2:20. it's my favorite my life verse I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. 
And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So number one, if you're a true Christian, it means you have died to self, you have died to sin, and you have died and been crucified with Jesus Christ. But number two, it means you've been risen with Christ. So if you're taking note, a true Christian means someone who has died with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Number two, it also means you have risen with Christ, Colossians 3.1. You can read it. I'm just quoting verses. You can write it down, read it later. But in Colossians 3.1, some translations say, if then, but I love the one that says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek those things which are what? Above where he is seated. You see? So you've been crucified with him, but you've also risen with him. Since then, you've been risen with Christ. There's this resurrection life. You're not supposed to just die. You're not supposed to just say no to drugs. You're not supposed to just say no to sin. Yes, that is a part of Christian life and living. But you're supposed to enter a new life a new creation, a resurrected life, guys. Amen? And that's what's missing in the church today, amen? I don't see much of that. I see a bunch of people getting the point that they're sinners and they're convicted and they're trying to get rid of, you know, I was at the barber shop yesterday and uh, I was ministering to the barber. It was just happened naturally. He was just sharing his life with me. I started talking to him and he was just like, man, I'm I'm on the worship team at Acts 2 over in Royal Palm. And I go to Life Church during the middle of the week. And I go to this church during the Fridays. And I'm still living in sin. I'm still falling. I'm still struggling. And I want to be free. I'm trying. And I looked at him. I said, man, bro, <laughs> you just need the resurrected life. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to be made new. He's actually, a, like, he's trying to be a believer. He's, fo- he's trying to follow Jesus. But he thinks it's just all death, death, death. You see, you got to enter a new life, guys. You got to enter the life that Christ paid for on the cross for you. Number three, a true Christian has died with Christ. Number two, a true Christian has risen with Christ. But in Ephesians, which we're about to read, the word of God says, you've also been seated with Christ. You've also been exalted with Christ. And placed in a heavenly position, guys. So let's go to Ephesians 1. We're going to dig into this now. And I want to, yeah, just go for it. We're going to get deep here. So we're going to start in Ephesians 1. We're going to get to Ephesians 2 also. But understand what we're about to read. You know, Paul wrote this letter, okay? Paul wrote the the letter of Ephesians to the church of Ephesus. He was the, uh, you know, one of the founding he basically was the apostle who founded the church he's now ministering to this church that he loved and founded on his missionary journeys and he's sending them this letter to kind of uh remind them of those things which he's already basically preached to them he when paul went somewhere he preached the whole gospel amen this man laid it i mean sometimes it took him a week sometimes a month sometimes he was there a whole year but he would lay it all down for the people right He would preach the whole gospel. He would make sure they understood what it meant to surrender their life to Christ, to become a Christian, to live in this resurrected life. And then he would find a local leader, you know, to take over. He would put, you know, a house church leader or something or Timothy in place. And Paul was now writing this letter to remind them of that which they already knew, but maybe they were forgetting. So 
remember the church of Ephesus. There's a letter to them in Revelation, right? The church of Ephesus was one of the first churches, one of the early churches. In this letter, we don't see many rebukes. We don't see a bunch of rebukes or like they weren't living in sin like the Corinthian church was, you know, sleeping around, sexual immorality. None of that was really going on. It doesn't seem so. And when you read Revelation, it seems like this was a kind of church that had it together. They understood doctrine. They understood truth. They, they, they did good works. They did good deeds. They served the Lord with fear and trembling. They casted out false apostles, all kind of stuff. But they forgot something, right? What does Revelation 2 say about the church in Ephesus? They forgot Jesus. <laughs> they forgot the most important thing. They forgot their first love, guys. They forgot who he is and the beauty of the resurrected Lord and the power of his glorious name. They, they left their first love. So, so I believe this letter, in a sense, was almost a warning. It was like a, a love letter written to them to remind them of who he is and who they are in Christ. That was why the whole letter was written. But it seems like by the time you get to Revelation, they, they forgot all that, right? Isn't it interesting? Read this letter and then go to Revelation like, wait, bro, how did you guys forget? How? You had the Apostle Paul. You had this letter. How did you not get it? And this is the danger. I want to I prepare our hearts to understand that we can fall into these traps, guys. So Ephesians 1, let's just read. We'll let the Word of God speak. Ephesians 1. Verse 13 and 14, that's where we're going to start. So verse 13, Paul says, In him you also trusted, talking about Christ, in him you also have trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the guarantee of our salvation, until the redemption of of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, as we approach verse 15, I just want to prepare you. Paul's basically um, sharing a prayer that he's been praying for them, okay? He's basically praying over them. Let's just read it, and then we're going to pray it over ourselves, okay? That's what, that's what I feel led to do. So Paul's now sharing. It's called the prayer for spiritual wisdom, and this is a prayer he's been praying for this church. He said, therefore, I also... After I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches, the riches of his glory, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Watch verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and did what? Seated him at the right hand of God in heavenly places. You see how the two go hand in hand? So now I want to I want to back up. I want to dig into this prayer. You see, because we're going to pray this over ourselves for one moment, because Paul here is is 
he's making a, he, he's in the spirit okay he's being he's being divinely inspired by the holy spirit understand this is the word of god this is scripture he's being divinely inspired by the holy spirit how to pray for saints how to pray for this church right and he, he's by the spirit he's trying to give them revelation and insight into the heavenly realms okay what is the heavenly realms it's a big kind of strange word it's the realities of heaven right there's a place there's a real place called heaven where god's throne is where jesus is seated at the right hand where all power and authority has been given to him and this place is so foreign to us guys let me just make it simple it we've never been there yet right i don't know any i mean i know some people that you know they claim to go up and down pretty easily you know i've never gone yet I'm waiting for the day, okay? The trumpet's going to sound soon. I might get martyred. I might just get hit by a car. I don't know. But I'm going up one day. I just ain't been there yet. So this place called heaven, it's very unfamiliar to us. It's a, it's, it's a real place. As real as earth is, heaven is realer. Heaven was there before earth, amen? Heaven is God's throne, the Bible says, and earth is just a footstool, you know? Heaven's the big chair. Earth is just like a little footstool. You see, heaven is real. You ever seen the movie? It's real, though. It's in the word of God. It's an actual place. There's angels there. There's saints there. There's a river there. There's the tree of life there. There's all kind of things going on there. But in order for us to grasp, you know, these realities, we need spiritual wisdom. You see, we need understanding because our minds, we're still, we're still earthlings. We're still walking around on this in this reality, we're still seeing what's going on on CBS and NBC and Fox News, and we're caught in this other reality. And a lot of times, you know, the Bible calls it being choked out. We're choked out by the worries and the cares of the world, right? So Paul's praying for spiritual wisdom. He says, so let, let's, before we continue, let's just stop for a moment, and let's just pray this prayer. So this is the word of God. This ain't a man-made prayer. Let's just pray this prayer real quickly over ourselves. Like me, you guys, you can repeat after me or just pray in your heart. I'm just going to read these verses again, and we're just going to pray it over ourselves. We're going to ask God for spiritual wisdom. The Bible commands us to. It said, if you lack wisdom, ask. God will give it generously without finding fault. And this is so key. So let's, let's take a minute here. We're just going to stop and pray. Yes, Father, we come before you. We ask you, God, to speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit right now. We pray the prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, where he said, I, After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this was his prayer, that the God, we pray right now, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Grant us, Lord, grant us. He said he prays that he would give it to you. I pray you would give it to them right now, Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you, Jesus, that the eyes of our understanding would be open, enlightened, that we may know that we, that I may know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory, and the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you worked in christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of god in heavenly places amen 
You see, today, I see so much. Um, I've been around a little bit, like six continents, 30-something countries. I've been to many churches, and I see a lot of man-made wisdom. You guys know what I'm talking about? A lot of earthly understanding, fleshly revelation. We need God's wisdom, church, amen? We need God's wisdom, especially today. In this time and age of darkness just taking over and, and deception just running rampant and churches just filled with man-made nonsense, we need God and his wisdom. Can I give you a word of encouragement? It's just a, here's Brett's word of encouragement for the day. It's a word of advice, a word of encouragement, whatever you want to call it. You ready? Don't be a spiritual dummy. That's not much of an encouragement, I know. <laughs> I'm not, uh, you know, they didn't name me Barnabas. Sorry, guys, my family didn't name me Barnabas. I'm not much of an encourager. But don't be a spiritual dummy, guys. You see, Christians aren't supposed to be spiritually stupid. The Bible commands us, don't be ignorant of Satan and his devices. Don't be foolish. We're supposed to be wise. We're called to be wise. You see, stupidity leads to, well, ignorance, I would call it, leads to what? Deception. If, you're, if you don't know the Lord or you don't understand the things of the Lord and what his will is for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, what's going to happen? You're going to be easily led astray. If you don't know God and you don't know his will for your life, your life, not mine, yours, we're too busy acting like we know God's will for everyone, uh, everyone else's life. The focus is, you know, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to know the will of God for your life, amen? Quit looking at everyone on TV and worrying about their ministries and how much they're going to stand before the judgment, because they will. But so will you. So will I, amen? So we need to live with fear of the Lord, and we need to seek him for wisdom and pray and ask God. Not our pastor only. It's good we have leaders, godly ones, thank God. But we need to seek God, man. So we're not a spiritual dummy walking around. And I didn't mean that, you know, it was meant to be a joke. You know, I'm not trying to be rude to anyone. But we got to get back to the word of God, guys. We got to get on our knees and our face and read and study and know that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Remember what Solomon? Solomon was, man, he was a blessed king, right? But that guy, let's just get back to the word of God here. That guy, he was given the opportunity to ask God for anything he wanted. Okay, God ain't a genie in a bottle. Let's just get that straight. He's not going to give you anything you want. But for whatever reason, in that moment in history, God and Solomon had this little interaction, and God told Solomon, ask me whatever you want. That's a pretty, that's, look, uh, you know, that's some pretty deep stuff. But that man didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for silver and gold. He didn't ask for power or position or worldly things which so many of us would have he asked for what wisdom from god and god gave it to him and he said you know what since you didn't ask for none of that other stuff here's that too by the way but let's get back to the verse verse 17 the text here spirit of wisdom it, it, it's 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 actually in the bible it's actually holy spirit talk it's actually a prayer that we need to be asking and praying over all of our lives. Spirit of wisdom, God. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, I wonder if you guys caught this, though. 
I wonder, did you see it in verse 20, which we just read? I'm, I'm asking you guys if you, you know, we read the context, we prayed the prayer, but did you catch it? Did you catch verse 20, the point? See, this is why we're praying, because this is, this is deep spiritual stuff. We might have missed it. You see, all these things, I, let me just rephrase some of these riches in Christ that he has for your life, okay? A spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation, knowledge of God, which actually means intimacy, deeper fellowship with God, that's knowledge of God, knowing him, okay? Enlightenment, understanding, the riches of his glory, exceeding greatness of his power. Who doesn't want any of that? Is it, can I just see a hand? Does anyone want some of those things here? No? No, do you want any of those things which we just listed? Do you want any of those things which we just listed? You know where they're all found? They're all found in acknowledging the resurrection and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. You see that? That is the key that unlocks all of these riches and, and glories. All these glorious promises, all these blessed uh, gifts, all of this spiritual wisdom and knowledge of God and hope, the hope of his calling, it's all unlocked in the fact of the resurrection and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. You see it? Verse 20. It, it comes when a, a believer begins to seek the Lord and begins to study the scripture and begins to press into God. And at some point they know they get to this place in Christ where they just know that they know that they know that he is risen and he is exalted. You see, you got to get to that point, church. we got to get our faith into that place where it's a reality. It's not just something we claim to believe. It's something we actually believe. It's something we don't just theologically have in our heads. It's something we, in reality, live out in our lives. It's, you see, there's some things I don't know, okay? There's like, uh, we were up till 1 in the morning. We had a night of worship couple of the, you know, the evangelists from uh, CFAN were at the house, and Maddie came, and we were just worshiping the Lord for an hour or two, and then we had like another hour or two discussing, you know, the, the cherubim and the, the fallen angels sleeping with the women in Genesis, and the demons coming and unleashing in the last days, and the rapture, the rapture and the seven-year tribulation, you know, all that stuff. Look, I don't, I don't understand it all. I'm just being honest. It happened. It's going to happen. It's written, I, but I don't get it all. Okay, I don't claim to know when the day of the rapture is. I definitely don't know when the second coming is. If I claim to know that, take the mic from me and throw me out the door. I don't know. But there's some things that I know. I know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I know that when he took that cross, he took all my sins with him. And every, every single sin I've ever committed and ever will commit, his blood speaks a better word. One drop of his blood speaks a better word than every sin in my whole life. Amen, church. I know that he died for me and for you. He died for the sins of the world. But I know that he also rose out of that grave, and I didn't need to go to Israel to see the empty tomb. Because blessed are those who believe without seeing. He can give you faith to believe without seeing, guys. I've never seen heaven. I never had an angelic, you know, transportation. I know it's real. It can't happen. It hasn't happened to me yet. But guess what? I know heaven is real. And I know one day, one day I will go to my father's house 
And I know I'm going to see that Jesus like Stephen saw him when he was preaching the gospel and he got stoned to death and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I know one day, I hope and pray that I get such an honorable welcome. I know I'm going to see him seated at the throne, but I pray he even stands up to welcome me into his kingdom. I know one day... He's coming back again with the angels and the saints from heaven. We're going to return to this earth with him, and he will judge the living and the dead. I know that I know, and that's why I can go to India. And if they kill me, they kill me. Because death has no more sting, church. Amen? Death has no more victory. I don't have to fear judgment and hell. That's why I can go to, to Egypt and preach the gospel on a Muslim military base and they're holding people hostage and beating people up on the left and the right and we keep preaching the gospel because I know that he lives and I know that no matter what they're doing, no matter who's sitting on the throne in, in the White House, no matter who thinks they're ruling over in Cairo, Egypt in the Muslim quarter, Jesus reigns on the throne of God and he has all the keys. He has all the power in heaven and on earth. I know that I know, church. you got to get there. And I'm still learning, and I'm still growing. But it comes from a place of hunger. It comes from a place, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. When I went to YWAM, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue. I just heard his voice like Abraham. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where I'd end up. But I heard the voice of God, and I get to the YWAM base, and all they, you know, their whole theme is just know God and make him known. I'm like, that seems pretty simple. That's what I want to do. I just want to know God and make him known. And every day, the, you know, different challenges. The second day I moved there, I'm held at gunpoint by the, the local favela gang. I'm held, the uh, gun's in my face. Give me your stuff. Give me your money. Give me, you know, and I began to wait. Lord, I need you. If I'm going to do this, I need you. If I'm going to actually preach this gospel to these places, I need you. If I, I can't just have a theology in my head that says, yeah, Jesus is Lord. I have to have a reality in my heart that he is risen and he's risen in me. And I live with him and I he lives in me and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And no matter what happens around me, there there's peace. And there could be peace in my heart. There there's joy. And there could be joy in my heart. There, that's why Paul wrote letters from prison about to be beheaded, yet he was full of joy. He's saying, you know, Christians, you should be rejoicing <laughs> always. Let me say it again. Rejoice. How can you live like that unless you truly understand and believe Christ is exalted? Then it, we will experience, guys, then we will experience the resurrected life. It doesn't come easy. I'm not saying it's going to be overnight and I'm not there yet. No one is. But I want to get there. Amen. I want to live such a way that's just, it's worthy of the price that he paid for me. You know how I wasn't worthy, but you know how worthy was the Lamb of God? Do you know how pure was that precious blood? And why? I don't understand why, but he shed that blood for me. And that's why the Bible says, so, so now, in light of that mercy you've been given, Live and walk in such a way that's worthy of your calling. So, so let's, let's transition. Ephesians 2, I want to get to the closing here. We're going to go a little forward. We have so, a little more time. But do you see it now? Do you see the power 
of the resurrected and exalted Christ, the hope of glory. And now the, the text just transitions. So Paul basically is speaking all about Christ and what he's done and who he is. Now in Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, and you. And you. So let's stop there just a second. So now he's, he's transitioning from Christ and who he is to now you and who you are. You see? So Paul's switching the picture here. It's, it's transitioning from Jesus to now who you are. And he's a, so he first addressed the reality of Christ and who he is and where he's been established on the throne and where he's been positioned. Now, here's to you. So please understand these next verses we're going to read now. It's speaking about you, me. And you he made alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins in, what's, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath. Let's just stop there for a second. So he kind of paints the picture of who we were pre-Christ, you know, B.C. days, right? Before Jesus. And it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> I don't know if you've read this before, but it's not a nice, you know, picture at all. So the key things to note, Paul reminds them. He, and, and here's the thing, guys. There's a lot of weird ministries going around that are. You know, they, they dig into your past and they want to pull out bones from your closet. And there's always a, a monster hiding under your bed type of thing. You know what I'm saying? And look, demons are real. And devils, this church, thank God, knows how to handle them. But Paul wasn't um, talking about all their junk to bash them. Okay? Paul wasn't sozoing them, you know, trying to find out, you know, what happened when they were two years old. And that's the root of all their problems and all this stuff. Now, listen. There are traumas and there are sins that happen to people that affect them for the rest of their life. And unless those things are dealt with by God and the Holy Spirit, you know, those things can definitely affect them. I'm not bashing that. But what I'm saying is Paul was just reminding them of actually what God did for them. Okay, who they were pre-Christ and now what he's done in them. But he paints this vivid, ugly, wretched picture of their ugliness, you know. And unfortunately, this is the reality of humanity. Before Christ, we were all once dead. We were actually called the walking dead. I don't know if you watch that stuff on TV. I don't, but we were called the walking dead, according to Paul. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins. Once. You once walked. So you walking dead. You catch it? Walking dead. Anyway, not following me. That's all right. The, they walked. We all once walked in the flesh. According to the way of the world, we conducted and operated in our flesh always. We were led by our flesh, and we were the walking dead, fulfilling not God's will, but our own fleshly desires. We were by nature sinners. No, it's even worse than that. The Bible says we were by nature, verses uh, 3 here at the end, we were by nature children of wrath. Okay? Understand that real quick before we go to the next section. We were children of wrath. You see, God, in his mercy, he didn't just save you from you. He didn't just save you from drugs, okay? 
He didn't just save you from addiction and, uh, you know, lust and lies. And he didn't just save you from the world. He didn't even just set you free from devils or demons or the devil himself. He saved you from the wrath of the Father. That's a whole nother sermon. Listen to Jonathan Edwards for a good example. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. You can YouTube that or find that sermon anywhere, really. It's one of our... It's one of the messages that transformed America. It opened the whole great awakening. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. It just talked about the nature of sinners and the wrath of God. So he's just painting this picture. And the key is that we understand everything was really ugly and wretched and wicked. And we were children of the devil, really. Children of wrath before. We were under God's judgment, walking dead with stinky flesh everywhere we went before Christ. And here's the beautiful thing, verse 4. But God, everyone say that real quick with me. But God, amen? If it wasn't for God, we would have stayed there. Do you understand? If it wasn't for Jesus, we would have stayed in that state. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. See, crucified, right? Dead in trespasses. And then what? Risen with Christ, alive together. And he has raised us up together and made us what? The three things. Sit together in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. In, in Jesus Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast. Amen? You see, God stepped down. He, he created mankind in his image. He gave us the chance, the opportunity, the free will to love him, to worship him, to serve him alone. And we all, like sheep, went astray. And we all, like sinners, wretched and unclean, we went our own way. And we turned from God. We turned away from God. It's, the, it's why the world is so evil. It's not the devil, guys. Do you understand? The devil only has stolen authority. He's only doing things because we gave him the authority and the keys to do things. It's because of mankind and our sin. But God stepped in. By his mercy and grace, he sent Jesus Christ, and he changed us, guys. He totally, see the, like, kind of, just take time today, tomorrow. Just read chapter 2 one more time, just these first 10 verses. Look at the contrast. Like, make some notes for yourself. Look at the contrast of who you were and who I was, and then after Christ stepped in, who you became. It's a totally different person. It's a totally different picture. That's why Corinthians, Paul wrote, Behold, I make all things new. The old is gone. You once were dead. You once were fleshly and carnal and worldly and lustful and children of wrath. You once were, but God. You see? And there's the three things. You were dead in trespasses and sins. We become crucified with Christ. But then we also become alive and raise up with him, resurrection life. And then he also sits us down in heavenly places with his son, Jesus Christ. 
Do you understand how much mercy that is? So mercy, I know a lot of you know, we're church folk here. But maybe online, someone ain't, ain't getting this. So mercy and grace, right? What's the difference? Mercy is God not giving sinners what they deserve, which is death and hell, the judgment, the penalty that Christ took. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve rightfully. Grace is going beyond or above that, and it's, okay, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm actually going to give you now what you don't deserve, which is a heavenly place at the right hand of the Father. That in the ages to come, that's a whole other sermon, but the ages to come, this is kind of what we were talking about until 2 a.m. last night. The ages to come, the ages what to come? After the church age, after the rapture, after the return of Christ, the millennial reign, and eternity future. Those ages to come for, for millions and billions of years to come, God's mercy and kindness and grace will be on display because we're sitting with him at the right hand of God with Christ. Like the angels are just going to be baffled. Like, how did you take these wretches and put them here, Lord? For billions of years, they're going to just be like, why? How? But it's the reality. It's who we are. And it's not a prideful thing. Basically, God did all of this to show off. I mean, really, that sounds a little weird for us or maybe, you know, egotistical. If there's any person in the universe, by the way, who can, who can be egotistical, is God. Amen? Who, who are we to tell him how to be? But he's not egotistical. He's just displaying who he really is. Do you understand? He's just showing, like, you ever heard the statement, you know, when you get squeezed, you'll see what really comes out. When the fire, the fire gets turned up and hot, you know, we'll see what's really inside of you. You see... When all these things and crazies, the sin of the world and the fall of mankind and the devil was unleashed and the demons and all this stuff, it's like God's true nature got to get put out on display. You see? The more wicked the world becomes, the more we get to see the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of God. The more evil and darkness we see take over, the more his light will shine, guys. And I don't get it, but it's why he chose us. He chose us to display himself, his mercy, his grace. Now, we're going to land the plane here just a couple minutes. But before, you know, before we get too proud of ourselves or, oh, start doing the Pentecostal dances, you know, get all crazy. And some people get proud with their position in, in, in Christ, you know, and they get a little overboard with their gifts and they get a little arrogant with their i'm a king's kid and i'm seated in heavenly places hallelujah you know we can get a little funny guys right and start acting a fool i think that's why paul reminded them where they came from so it's just i just want to make that quick point and we're gonna we're gonna get right now get get on the the landing strip before we become proud about ourselves or this gift we've been given of grace remember you don't deserve it remember <laughs> we did nothing to gain it it was his work on the cross it was his power and resurrection and and now we have this place in in the heavenlies but we don't deserve it guys and as you walk with jesus i just encourage you guys to stay humble you know 
I know personalities are different and you know I'm I'm look I can get a bit charismatic and people might think I'm proud or something like I've been accused of it and the truth is some of that's just personality but we always need to be careful we're not getting proud right and and we stay humble cuz remember when we read Philippians last week just came to my mind Philippians 2 it says take on the, the um, let's just read it. It's right. It's one page back. It just came to my mind. Sorry, forward or back? Forward, yeah. Ephesians two verse five. We read it last week. It just came back to me. Let this mind. This is uh, at the theme of this is the humbled and exalted Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in closing, that was the last verse I'm going to read. I, um, I don't want to end yet. Yeah, I want to give a call to all of us to invite us to the resurrected life i pray the holy spirit has already spoken to you guys i pray that we all have heard his voice and obey his call i pray that the holy spirit just not even now just begins to to beckon us to call us to come to jesus if you're watching online if you're here in the room but not to just come you know there's these altar calls and we come forward and we come forward and we come forward and we do a hundred altar calls. I'm calling you to do even more today, to be crucified with Jesus Christ and to be raised with Christ, to, to, to die to your sin, to die to your old life, to lay it down, to give it up once and for all, to be done with it, to repent, to renounce this old life and say, that's who I, I once was by the grace of God, and, and then to enter and rise into the new life that Christ has for you. I, I, I would venture to believe someone listening right here in the room online, someone God is calling you right now into this new life to receive the resurrected life and to begin the new journey with God. And it, all it does is starts with just surrender. You, you've heard the gospel. You've heard the message. You just must believe. You know, we say in CFAN, there's two things, but I really call it one thing. It's one thing with two uh, actions. You repent. You're going in one direction. You're living your own way. You're living for yourself. You, you, f you confess your sin, that your way is wrong. You turn. You repent from your sin, and you believe in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. 
If you want to be saved, you must repent and you must believe. You must repent and you must believe. It's really salvation just taking place with two different words, two different actions that the Holy Spirit is moving upon you to turn. He starts to churn in your heart and give you a hatred for sin and give you a conviction about what you're doing and the way you're heading. It's wrong. And then you begin to realize it, but you have to confess that and turn that over to the Lord and then surrender your life and just say, Lord, I'm yours. I want what you have. I don't want this. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to live for you. I don't want to live in sin or go my own way. There's a way that seems right in the heart of a man, but it leads to destruction. I want your life. I want eternal life, Jesus. You came to give life and life abundant. So today, right now, we're going to pray. Just one minute here. We're going to pray. But you can begin a whole new life with Jesus right now. And Christians, maybe... Maybe you're hearing this message. I encourage you to dig deeper. Just go deeper in this stuff. But maybe you want a life that has more purpose, more meaning, more boldness, more, more, more joy, more resurrection power. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like a fly on the wall as a Christian. The Bible says the early church, the, the disciples, they flipped the world upside down. They flipped the world, well, right side up, we could say. So I'm giving a call to those who are not saved. You've never given your life to Christ. Today is your day. Right now is your time of salvation. Right now, Jesus is calling out to you. But I'm also asking Christians to surrender all, to, to say yes to this resurrected life. If we can, Maddie, can you come up and um, lead us in a song? We're going to pray together. If the elders, uh, Pastor Joe wants to come up and pray for people. I just had a sense in my heart today to do an, a, a real altar call. Yes, you can pray in your heart, in your seat. Uh, if you're online watching, obviously you cannot come here. Maybe you can pray in your home, in your heart, before the Lord. But if you're here in the room, I just encourage you to come forward, to come up and receive the holy spirit receive the resurrected life receive all that jesus paid for you on the cross don't settle for less guys god has given his only son for you he has shed his perfect blood for you he has resurrected his son for you to be resurrected with him and he seated christ on the throne so that you could go up higher don't settle for a low earthly life so I just call you to come forward. We're going to pray in a minute. But if that's you and the Spirit's drawing you, just come forward now.
I just want to take a moment to let the Holy Spirit move. We're Freedom Church. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray with those maybe here today or online that want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then we'll, we'll minister to each other. That's what the Bible says. We all have gifts that we can share and encourage one another in the Lord. But yeah, I feel like there's someone online. I believe you're watching right now. Maybe you're going to watch the feed later. doesn't matter, but I believe the Holy Spirit is touching you right now. I, I saw myself when I was hearing the Word of God through a television screen years ago. And the Holy Spirit literally came and just touched me. He healed me of sicknesses. He set me free from addictions. And I feel like someone's watching. Maybe you're in the room or online. I just sense this in my heart. Someone's watching, listening. And you're like, I just don't know what's happening right now. I, I feel something, but I don't know. Just I pray you receive what God is doing right now. Don't be afraid. He created you. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he showed it. He didn't just say it. He showed it on the cross when he sent his son to die for you. Just open your heart. Let the Lord come in and cleanse you and work and move. You're going to feel so much peace, so much joy. In that moment when I said, yes, Lord, I, I was free. I was set free. I feel like someone just needs freedom today. So right now, if that's you watching or listening here, just pray with me. Pray with me. Open your heart to the Lord. Say, Jesus Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God. Say, I, I believe that you are the only way to salvation, to the Father. I believe that you came and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again on the third day. And Jesus, I believe that you're risen and you're exalted. And right now, Jesus, I ask you, to forgive me of my sin, all my sins, all the junk, Lord, forgive me. Just cry out to him. Say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Take my life, Lord. I give you my heart. Save me now, Jesus. Save me now. I belong to you. And just say, I repent from my sins, and I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior right now today. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before you go, guys, feel free to go. I'm just, I just sense we should just uh, spend a little more time in his presence. If you want to go or you need to go, that's totally okay. If you're online, I want to encourage you, whoever did that, just give me a second here. Remember, guys, this is eternal life we're talking about. I know lunch is calling you and games and all that nonsense. This is the house of God, amen? We need to focus for a second. Whoever that is, whoever prayed that prayer today, if you're here or watching, understand you have become a child of God. You were a child of wrath. God's judgment was upon you, but Jesus just lifted that judgment off of you. You no longer have to fear death. You are now alive in Christ. He has washed you clean, as white as snow. Even if you're a believer, just remember who he is and what he's done for you guys in this moment. We're not going to take a communion today, but you can take communion with the Lord right now. You can remember his body and his blood that was shed for you. Uh, can Pastor Joe or the elders, maybe you guys come up. I just sense that 
Some of the believers here need some encouragement, need some words. Maybe some words of knowledge will be released, some prophetic words, some prayers. But the Bible says we all have gifts. We can all encourage one another. If you guys, you know, feel led to do that, I just, I just want to let the Holy Spirit have a moment with us. That's what I felt. So I'm going to stop talking and just let the Holy Spirit move and do what he wants to do. Please, sorry, please come up if you want to be prayed for. I didn't invite you. Just come up and be prayed for. Pastor Joe's here. I'm here. And whatever you have need of, we're here for you. strength will be renewed and they'll mount up on wings like eagles. Lord, we just pray for him and for Israel as they are one. 